0: With Aaron and Polly, I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And I, I'm sorry that is that is probably the one of the weakest intros I've done. If you follow me on on Instagram, you know I uh, broke my, my broke a rib this weekend, so uh, I'm I'm not as full full throated and bellowy as I normally am.
1: So, should, should we restart? Should I do it?
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> that would be best.
1: I guarantee it's going to be worse. <laughs> so <laughs> we've done this in the
0: past. Yeah. Let's
1: learn from our mistakes, Enough. shall we?
0: Fair point, fair point. We'll just stick with what we've got.
1: So we are doing a Sunday evening recording this week, uh, not because of Aaron's injury, but because I was out of town. Yeah, uh, where were you? Uh, We were visiting some friends out of town.
0: Like you have friends.
1: Uh, Well, and they're Jen's friends, to be fair. Ah, (laughs) We were visiting some of Jen's friends. (laughs) (laughs) She needed someone to drive her. (laughs) yeah exactly it's just a five-hour drive and uh you know jen likes to sleep when she's in Uh the car like instantly so that that seems dangerous
0: i do that when suzanne drives really i am out like a light when when suzanne's driving us somewhere i am generally out before we even get out of the neighborhood no No, not me i
1: try to sleep and then i get irrationally angry when i can which makes it worse
0: i'm like the two-year-old you know in the uh, car seat in the back you know i just (laughs) i just pass out
1: well, it's a good thing you're behind the wheel then when we drive to ManCon.
0: That's right. That's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so a, a couple of quick news-related notes before we hop into this week's comic book discussion proper, uh, none of which are on the outline. So I'm going to spring them up on you, Aaron. Oh, lovely. Well,
0: you know, I am hopped up on Codeine, so I probably wouldn't have noticed that they weren't on the outline anyway.
1: <laughs> well, uh, this week if you uh your local ABC store may you may have received an email if you if you're on the mailing list like I am with my local uh, alcohol establishment uh because the they are releasing the Walking Dead bourbon. Oh, ah. Yeah. And uh I it, at least in our area it's online purchase only. They'll ship it to your store. But um you you can only order it online. It's uh, spirits of the apocalypse, the Walking Dead Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. So oh. I, I I ordered myself some.
0: Did you really? I did. You who do not watch uh, the Walking Dead.
1: No, but I drink the hell out of some whiskey. So yeah,
0: fair point.
1: And it seems like if it, I mean a themed whiskey. Oh, Aaron. Oh, I have a work related story that I'm going to share on the mics, but it's you don't need to know where I work. <laughs> um. So. I, it's 2019, and I'm, we're going to flashback because uh, – Are we getting the, the last, way
0: back machine, Paul? Are we getting, getting the way, way back,
1: back machine? It's way back yeah. uh, because on my desk at work is my last boss's Day gift. And if you're listening to this the week of uh, recording, which is uh, October 13th, this week is Bosses Week. Huh. Or, I'm sorry. This week is boss's Day. Fuck Bosses Week. <laughs> <laughs> they only get a day. Um, and so on my desk at work is my last boss's Day gift. It's a little clock thing that has a pen holder in it, and it has a little um, engraving on it that says, Paula Ponte, Awesome Boss, 2010.
0: And that was so the That last. was nine years ago. That was the last time you got a boss's take. <laughs> yes, that is yes. hysterical.
1: I have been a mediocre <laughs> boss since then.
0: <laughs> that
1: is hysterical. Uh, but my streak was broken this week because my team got me. Uh, they were in town last week and they got me a bottle of whistle pig. Uh, uh, fart stock, is, rye. Uh,
0: whistle pig is so good. Yeah, so, I was. you know, I, I was talking to, I was telling my wife, you know, I got introduced to Whistle Pig, uh, through the TV show Breaking Bad because uh, I, I kept seeing it. Yeah, I kept seeing it on Breaking Bad and, uh, I was I was amused because I listened to an interview with Vince Gilligan and it talked about the reason why they used Whistle Pig on set is it's kind of expensive you know mm-hmm. it's it's uh you know American whiskeys generally aren't too expensive in fact you know most of them are you know very affordable but there I'd are fifty
1: dollars few... is a high range
0: yeah yeah but uh, mm-hmm. there are some there are some American whiskeys like Whistle Pig or Pappy Van Winkle mm-hmm. that are rather pricey and. uh so they would use whistle pig in the show, so that the show would have to pay for it, and then they could drink it, uh, you know, when they were done shooting. I, which I think is brilliant. You should always have work pay for your booze. I don't yeah. disagree. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I just had that conversation with with my wife today. So well, I just funny. had work pay for my
1: booze. That is awesome, right? Is awesome. Right? Yeah, I should have hired these people sometime in the last nine years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's um, smart.
1: Well you know, we're we're gonna talk about some uh some crisis on infinite earth news later, but since we're we're on the topic of villainous people who enjoy their cocktails, I think we should just go straight into this week's books and talk about Doctor Doom number one. Yeah, let's do it. So Doctor Doom number one came out this week from Halt and Catch Fire co-creator Christopher Cantwell with art by Salvador La Roca and Guru EFX as a color artist. Uh-huh. Um so this is, the, you know, the, the start of the new, I believe, ongoing Doctor Doom series, you know, in his current status quo reestablished after he was after his stint as the infamous Iron Man, um, you know, after Secret Wars, he's now back to being the ruler of Latveria. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a new you know kind of status quo, new storyline set up in this in this book. And, Aaron, I know you you yourself are are quite a Doctor Doom fan. I love Doctor Doom. And you you've been reading the Fantastic Four book. I I you know I I, I hop in and I hop out. Yeah. Uh, but you know so you're a little bit more caught up on the current status quo here. But what do you think of Doctor Doom number one? Uh,
0: I I think you cannot fault the artwork. The artwork is gorgeous. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love the cover. I love the pages. Um, I think that that you know there is a glorious page early on in the book where. Uh, Doom is walking through uh, his castle and, you know, it's just, it's just gorgeous. The, you know, the, the hallway and it shows his progression from one panel to the next, you know, walking through, through the the grand hall. It's just a a, a gorgeous page. The thing that bothers me about the book and, and the story, the concept of the story itself is fine. I think it's a great idea for the story, uh, being that, uh, uh, Stark and you know uh, Tony Stark and uh, Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four have devised a technology utilizing an artificial wormhole that uh, you know reduces the Earth's CO2 levels and uh, re- uh, uh, cools the Earth's temperature a little bit. Uh, you know, which is you know helping with the whole global warming situation thing, but of course, you know, Doom is on record of saying that you know this is this is bad news. This is going to be a bad thing. Just hide and watch. This is all bad. Um, I think that's a, it's a great storyline, and it's underlined by what happens at the end, towards the end of the book, where the uh, the effort by Tony Stark and Reed Richards is sabotaged and somebody has made it look like Doctor Doom has done it so that the entire world turns against Doctor Doom 3,000 people or so are killed in this effort and again I like the concept of of the story here's where I've got a problem Doctor Doom doesn't sound like Doctor Doom in this book Uh, the voice of this character sounds like someone who is not nearly as smart cultured or arrogant as Doctor Doom is um, and that, that bothered me. There were nuances that I thought were you know that I thought were, were yeah that's Doom. Like uh, a a newscaster sasses him and is not respectful. Uh, you know when Doctor Doom is interviewed about the Reed Richards Tony Stark pro- project, and so when he gets when he leaves, he tells his assistant, "Bring this Steve to me." And the next thing you know, Steve is hanging from the ceiling, you know, (laughs) in in Castle Doom. That stuff is great. I like these glimpses that he's having of, of perhaps an alternate future, of a road not taken. I like that. But there are just times where Doom is talking to people and Doom swears, for instance. I mean, it's like, you know, it's one of those, you know, hashtag dollar sign, percent, hashtag dollar sign, percent, and percent. Um and that's not Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom isn't isn't someone who is going to to swear like you know someone at the street level. He is someone who, who is going to raise the level of conversation. And I didn't feel like there were. I felt like there were times where he that's just wasn't him. Uh, you know, Dan Slott in the Fantastic Four books has done a, a really good job of, of voicing Doom. Well, I think, uh, and certainly I'm a huge fan of the infamous Tony Stark books. Uh, you know, the infamous Iron Man books where Dr. Doom takes over the role of Iron Man. Um, but I, I, I felt like this got off on sort of uneven feet just in the way Dr. Doom is voiced, but I've been talking for a really long time, Paul, what did you think? So I think i mirror some of your
1: concerns. Honestly, in general, I enjoyed the book. And to your point about the art by Salvador LaRoca, it's, a, it's beautiful, um, it, it, there are some some gorgeous spreads, some well done choreographed action sequences. Uh, I, the, the art on this book is is fantastic, and uh, you know Salvador Larocca. I don't know what he's what he's been doing for the past year or two, but you know he was the regular artist on Kieran Gillen's Darth Vader book when that first kicked off, and you know so he he, he has this knack for capes and villainous characters, you know, in, in well, armor. And I,
0: and I love the. I mean, he he draws the castle. Yeah. He doesn't just, you know, give you an idea of the castle. I mean, he there is there's a a uh, scene where Doom is looking out over his balcony and he spends a lot of time making that balcony ornate. Yeah. There is a scene where all the helicopters are coming in and Doom again is out there on his balcony and all the helicopters are drawn in full detail the uh castle it it has brick lov- brick by brick level detail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like when somebody draws, you know, Ben Grimm, you know, the thing, and they draw just a couple of the bricks that are in, you know, the rocks in his body. Yeah. Now, this is somebody who's drawn every single brick and stone, and I love that level of detail.
1: Yeah. And it is, it's, I mean, so super impressive as far as the, the, you know, there were some, some moments voice wise that seemed out of character that seemed either a bit too jovial or a bit too uh, familiar from Dr. Doom. Uh, But in the end, uh, I, I love Dr. Doom as a character. Um, You know, the only qualms I had, which have nothing to do with the writing or the art on the book, but really from the concept from the conceptual level of the book is one, I was I really had liked the progression of Doctor Doom into something other than Doctor Doom, <clears throat> and you know as a comic fan I think we all sometimes mirror you know share the the same frustrations that at some point everything just goes back to status quo right and so Doctor Doom is now back to his status quo as the ruler of Latveria even though you know a really some nice progression had been done with his character and now you know like the Doctor Doom from Infinite Iron Man would not have taken uh you know a news reporter and put him up in a torture room right you know he, he he has definitely gone back to to the core concept of dr doom you know and there's nothing wrong with that it, i love dr doom i enjoyed the book i just you know i i hate to see that regression of the character but i think i say that kind of a lot and i think as a comic fan i just need to get used to it uh but i i did enjoy the book i did i do think that we're dealing with and i i'm not I think the there I was reading an interview with the writer, and I think he's only done one other comic yeah, I was writing gonna, exercise I was before. Gonna,
0: I was gonna say, I don't know this Christopher Cantwell guy,
1: yeah, yeah, um so you know he he's that TV show creator um and i i i get I think I read that he did one short story for Marvel and it it kind of turned into because he's a big fan, turned into this. Um, and so you know it, it's got some of those growing pains you know those stumbling blocks but I do think that we're gonna see I, I think we're gonna see some good stuff out of this book I, I actually really enjoyed it and I I, I will, I'm going to pick up the second issue at least for sure. Oh, and yeah. I probably no, will stick with the first storyline as long as the quality stays this good.
0: Absolutely, no, I, I'm absolutely into the into the next storyline. I liked all the little glimpses. You know, there's there's a, a a scene where he opens the door and he just sees this apocalyptic future. You know of yeah. uh, of all of the the Stark and uh, Richards tech having gone south. I mean, it looks great. Uh, you know, I, I I'm, I'm curious. If they'll bring in any of the stuff from infamous Iron Man, um, you know, like the the woman that he had a relationship with. And do I recall correctly? Was she pregnant? I don't recall. I I seem to have a memory. Yes, of she yes. Died. I think she was. Yeah. So, I mean, those are interesting things that I would like them eventually to touch on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the guy definitely, you can see, has a, a love of the character, and yeah. you know, th- this is definitely a passion project for him. I do not know how long he's intending on staying on the series. You know, he's a TV show creator, which could go either way. You know, he for could sure, yeah. dedicate himself to the medium, or he could be there for a year and hop out, like, you know, so many other creators who who dabble in comics. But yeah. uh, at least this first story uh, I'm, I'm I'm on board for.
0: Yeah, no, I it was not as strong a first issue as I would have liked, but I, I, I was happy that I picked it up and like yourself, I'll pick up issue two.
1: Well, also for Marvel Comics and, and, and villainous characters, um, you know, we, we get more of Magneto and Big Head Professor X, and who I'm lumping in as a villainous character because of the way he is portrayed in the Jonathan Hickman powers of X book. But we Well, Moira's changed him, Paul. Moira has. And so, you know she,
0: what did she do? She broke him.
1: She broke him. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we, we Powers of X is the conclusion of that series and, and kind of tail ends and, and ties it all up to set up the status quo on how Moira Kelly has is, is kind of drive. She's driving this ship, um, which we we kind of already knew, but you know, this ties into the future storyline that we've seen with the Phalanx and how that t- you know how that ties into all of this, and and it, it all goes back to. Moira planting the seeds that lead to where we are now in the powers of X house of X books. Is and it Moira Kelly or Moira McTaggart? Moira McTaggart. Moira Kelly's an actress. Moira Thank McTaggart. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Moira like, McTaggart. That doesn't sound right. Okay. Nope. You are hundred percent right. Um, okay. But, you know, as we have established the core principles of this mutant uh, of um, Krakoa, 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 Krakoa. in the other book, we have some, some new guidelines that, that have been established in this book that, you know, with Moira McTaggart, things like no precogs are allowed. Yeah,
0: right. No yeah, one who can, can potentially precogs. understand
1: their plan, see their plan.
0: Yeah, yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I that was chilling. Because, you know, the reason why that comes up is they formed their governing council of Korkoa, and, you know, as a result, all of mutant, mutandom, right? You know, uh, and the only way that they got mystique. To sit on the council was that uh, uh, Charles and Magneto had to uh, agree to bring back Destiny, right? Who is Mystique's best friend, and mm-hmm. who died some time ago. Um, and you know, Moira's like, well, we can't ever do that because she would be able to see my plan. And you know, Magneto and Charles were both like, oh, we'll just put her off for as long as we can put her off. And she's like, yeah, but someday – you're not going to be able to put her off anymore. Eh, we'll deal with that. We'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not going to be trouble. Yeah, not going to be trouble <laughs> at all.
1: They're definitely setting up for. You know, Hickman is definitely setting up for what is going to be this this years long plan that I'm yeah. sure he has. Um, yeah. You know, but it, there
0: is there is no doubt that these are villainous characters. Uh, they, well, yeah. No, uh, Moira has turned into an awful human being. Yeah. Uh, because of all the various futures that she's seen, the the various futures that she has experienced has turned her in to the awful person that 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 she needs to be. And by becoming this awful person, she also has to remake Charles Xavier into the man she needs him to be. And to do that, she ha- she has to break him of his dream. Yeah, right. A dream where mutants and and humans live together in harmony she understands that for the folly that it is and that really they need to become our mutant overlords and that's how i read the book that really where we're going here is a a race of mutants who will become the overlords of mankind
1: yeah i mean i, I that's how i read it you know yeah. and so what would clearly we're dealing with a finite story right that the, this isn't just you know this isn't going to I, I don't know how long Hickman is planning this saga, but it is a saga, and there will be a beginning, middle, and end at some point, um, because this very much, like I said, th- this removes any of the benevolence of Charles Xavier, right? And the kindness. Really, the kindness, and they're yeah. they are malevolent characters now, right? They are, yeah, you know, they are literally they have the ability to bring people back or to bring mutants back from the dead. They they have that one hundred percent within their control, and they do it. Uh, they do it on the daily but yeah. they are withholding doing that for certain people. And, you know, the, the, the you know, so that, that there's a, there's an evil to evilness to them. um And that, in that control of over life or death, that it's
0: yeah, interesting. They're literally, they're literally deciding who lives and who dies. Yep. Yeah. Who, who gets to be reborn and who stays dead. And it's a hundred
1: percent based on what, their plan, right? It's not, yeah. you know, it's not because the person's evil. It's because that person could undo their plan. Correct. So you know, it, it's there. There's an interesting setup here. You know, we got a little bit of that with Hickman before, with the um, what were the, the Illuminati, right? Uh, yeah. I know that was more of a Bendis thing, but Hickman wrote them better. Um, you know, with the Illuminati and and, and those characters, but they weren't they weren't evil. They just misguided, you know, perhaps. Right. But but yeah, I think there's. I think we're going to see unfold over the next few years everything that's being built up being torn back down.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I so enjoyed this series, Powers of X, House of X, or House of Ten, Powers of Ten, whatever you want to call it. Oh yeah, the uh, ten. Sorry, I, I, keep,
1: I, I keep screwing it up.
0: <laughs> well, these twelve issues were fantastic, um, and I think that what made them so so strong beyond the beautiful artwork, beyond Hickman's uh, uh, ability to tell these types of stories, is that it was. These two books. Yep. Were no spin-offs. You didn't have to chase another book. You read these twelve books, and they all came out on time. Look at the kind of artwork. Yeah. And it all came out on time. Hmm. Uh, I I'm amazed by this in today's day and age of we're going to launch a project and nothing comes out on time except the first two books. Yeah. Uh, this was fantastic and the story's cohesive. And it was, it was not until I got to the last part of this book that I understood what the fuck was going on with the phalanx. You know, I'm like, I don't understand why they did this. And then it makes it perfectly clear, right. That they, they thought they'd win and they didn't. And so, you know, they've got to do something with Moira so that Moira can reset the table. And, you know, this, this notion of Moira, Having these do over lives as her mutant ability, I chafed at it at first because Moira never had a power. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's brilliant, and it gives you a reason for all these mutants to come back to life that have been dead or have died so many times in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this is a masterful book. What I am really wondering is if he can contain, the, if he can continue the magic. Uh, I will buy the the next Hickman book, um, but that's the only I one just, I'm,
1: I'm planning on purchasing. I will say, and
0: that's that's my strategy as well. I'm not getting into this buy every goddamn mutant book that Marvel publishes because they just publish too damn many of them. Yeah, you know, you know uh, it's kind of like where we are with the Avengers. I just can't keep up with all the Avengers books. Yeah, and
1: I know I'm taking a risk with that, right? I, I know I'm taking a risk by only picking up the 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 one Hickman X-Men book. um but you know i just don't necessarily have an interest and and i know he's he's also co-writing um new mutants but i don't necessarily have an interest in also picking up x-force and excaliburs and marauders and fallen angels and wolverine and you know what other x titles are coming down the line and maybe you know i I may peek on some art or something like that but i just i don't necessarily i don't necessarily have an interest in picking up six new monthly titles right
0: you know I never finished I there was a the last X Men book that I enjoyed was the all new X Men that Bendis wrote with the X Men out of the past, right? And yeah. I never finished it. Me I either. never finished that that series because it started doing the uh, what was it, the Black Mirror?
1: Oh, that that uh, yeah, story? where it crossed over with Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Yeah, and that was when I jumped because I just – I couldn't stand those books. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was looking at it on comics. So I am like, wow, I can't believe I've never read any of that because I just got out. And that's what happens to me in X-Men books is they'll do an event, a crossover or something, and it won't be to my liking and I'll just – I'm out. Like I'll tell and you, I'll you know. all
1: these characters here, the Cyclops and the Jean Grey, like mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to those past characters. Yeah, no, I
0: don't either. I don't have a clue.
1: Like I don't know if these are them or if they went back like you know, I, I I totally dropped out of that storyline. I'm assuming they all went back and the timeline was restored and blah blah blah. Um, but I, I never finished the storyline just because it, it it became a bit too big and unruly. And this is and trust me, I, and I this is from someone. Both of us followed Hickman from the start of his Avenger saga to the end of his Avenger saga, inclusive of the crossovers, inclusive of you know. But it, but at the time you could pretty much get everything from the two core X-Men book or the two core Avengers books uh, leading up to secret wars. Yep. Um, You know, through infinity and lead and through secret wars. Like you could just follow through those. Uh, So, but this, but when it comes to X-Men, it's never just two books. And that's, and that's typically where where my fault lies with the X-Men books.
0: Yeah. If I could read like an uncanny and an astonishing and be done, that would be awesome. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that's just not the way it is with the X-Men. And that's, I mean, and that's true since the nineties. Yeah. I mean, we're talking decades of, uh, X-Men history that I don't, I know very little about because I don't follow all those different titles. You know, I, I, I don't buy the Gambit book. I don't buy the Wolverine book. I don't buy the, the rogue book. I i don't buy all those different things, you know, Cable and Excalibur and, uh yeah, you know, all the, I, I don't even know the names of them. I don't buy all those books because there's too many different books to buy. Well, you know It's crazy so, town, Paul. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> Speaking of crossovers, let's talk about a crossover we are very much looking forward to, which is Crisis on Infinite Earth, which is coming later this year on the CW. We touch base a little bit on it every couple of podcasts, um, because th- th- there's constant announcements coming out. Well, the the newest thing that has been uh, that has come out this week. And there are some photos out there of, you know, the the multiple Supermen together, and we already knew about Tom Welling, you know, um, making a guest appearance on the show. Uh, but the newest thing is some some leaked photos from the set, and I don't know if it was a rumor or confirmed, um, but there is a leaked photo from the set that shows uh, a newspaper that says, you know, Bruce Wayne to marry socialite Selena Kyle. And the picture of Bruce Wayne on the front of that newspaper is of Mr. Michael Keaton himself. And it has also uh, – and, and like I said, I don't know if it's been confirmed or um, – or, no, he's been spotted on the set. Robert Wool, who played Alexander Knox in the 1989 Batman film, has been spotted on the set. Uh, I can believe
0: filming. that. I can believe Robert Wool. I believe that the newspaper will show up. In the oh, yeah. The newspaper center. will show Michael Keaton. He yeah. will not show up in the show. But I, Michael Keaton's not showing up for a CW show. No, I, It would be
1: awesome. It would genuinely be oh, awesome. No, but there's absolutely. no way. Yeah. There's no way. But-, but
0: even so, I love the idea that you know the, the Keaton's Bruce Wayne shows up in a newspaper on the CW. That in itself is great. Yeah. Whoever I appreciate that they're pulling out as many
1: stops as they can.
0: Yeah. Whoever is writing this thing, whoever is producing it. Is having the time of their lives. Oh, yeah. Because all these little uh, news announcements that we get are just fantastic. Like, I never thought Brandon Routh would be back in a Superman costume. No. And that we're actually going great. to get
1: Batman, multiple Batman. Yeah. Right? And, you know, this is only well, happening because the DCEU <laughs> shit the bed. Let, yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah, Here's yeah, the only yeah. reason we're getting Batman on TV at all.
0: Well, but I mean, Burt Ward. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is that is fantastic and the the image that i saw of burt ward i'm like okay Uh, (laughs) you know i mean you know in all fairness the guy's what in his 60s 70s but uh you know it was like so you know robin just wears a sweater now (laughs) in the robin colors,
1: yeah but it looks like it it, i think it's going to be a lot of fun um i think the final season of arrow starts this week i think On the CW. You know what? I'm going to go out there and say I have yet to see Batwoman.
0: Oh, man. It's rough. Oh, is it really? It's rough. Um, I'm hoping it gets better. I'll, you know, the first, I watched the first episode. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've had some time on my hands being all achy, breaky, Aaron. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I watched that first episode. It is not what I would characterize as good. Uh, But I think there are some elements there. But it is straight up. Greg Rucka's story from the the first uh, story arc of Batwoman. Oh,
1: really? Okay. Yeah, it's well. got
0: the the Alice in it, and uh, the father daughter situation is different, but it is very much the same, you know, uh, Batwoman versus Alice story. Mm,
1: well, I mean, it don't get me wrong, me I love the story, it, but it yeah, was, you yeah, know, part it, of that was the art, and
0: yeah. yeah, well, and Greg Rucka's ability to tell the story, yeah, and you know, these guys aren't Greg Rucka. Uh, you know, I'll tell you that right now. But I, there are elements there that, that I like. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna continue giving it a shot. But speaking of Greg Rucka, have you watched his uh, other show that's on this this fall, Stumptown?
1: I've heard of it, but I did I, I didn't realize Paul, it started.
0: It is fucking amazing. Oh, really? It's the best thing on TV right now. Wow. The uh, there have been what two three episodes. The the pilot episode was. 52 minutes of the best television i've seen in a very long time huh and it is it is fun it is laugh out loud tons of great action and adventure and car stunts i hate car chases there's a car chase in that first episode that is hands down one of the best things i've seen on tv who hates car chases i really get so bored with car chases that's That's the reason why i've never seen a fast and furious film huh yeah
1: that's an unusual thing
0: I will fall asleep during a car chase. I could care less about a car chase. I like a good car chase. I'm the guy who falls asleep when his wife drives him, and I fall asleep in car chases.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to know. Don't put Aaron anywhere near a car. That's right. (laughs) So um, since we're kind of talking about DC, let's go ahead and talk about the DC books this week. And speaking of crossovers, Event Leviathan, issue Event Leviathan. Yeah, the the reveal of Manhunter-ish, except not really. But I thought this was going to be the reveal of, oh, I said Manhunter, the reveal of Leviathan. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, spoilers. so spoilers. <laughs> um, Leviathan is or is is, apparently, apparently yeah. a previous um, Manhunter. And so, you know, which Manhunter? I don't know because I don't really
0: know much about Manhunter. Yeah. You know, I was kind of amused by the big reveal, like, oh, my God leviathan is manhunter or manhunters yeah right because you know it's not that it's a leviathan it's that there are many leviathans yeah um but (laughs) i it felt to me like ta-da ted's the bad guy who the fuck's ted yeah that's kind of the way I, i know who the manhunters are i mean they've been a they have existed in one shape or another in dc comics for decades um, and they they're constantly reinterpreted as many of the different organizations in uh, in uh, the DC uh, universe are. But I'm like, I don't care. I mean, just 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 crush his head, Superman. Yeah, I, I don't care that uh, it's Manhunter.
1: I did some research, and I'm going to assume that the Manhunter is the Mark Shaw Manhunter from the 1980s. You know, a storyline that I really didn't follow. Um, you know, he, he's he, he's a character in the Manhunter comic that features Kate Spencer. But And I just, I don't know enough about the character for that reveal to mean anything to me, regardless, regardless of the lackluster reveal. I will say that the scene with Robin in the car where he's like staring at Kate Spencer and he's like, your staff, like, like where, like the, where it, it hits him. Right. Um, Even like, I, I wish I knew who Manhunter was because it feels like the reveal was well written. It just didn't hit. It just didn't impact me because I don't really know who the characters yeah. are. And, right. and and I've been reading DC for a long ass time. I just you know, Manhunter wasn't wasn't must read reading for me, right? Um, and there was there was one issue I had with the book, um, which is there's a scene where Superman and Plastic Man are um, heading into Leviathan's like bubble of something, right? And you know, Plastic Man is on Superman's shoulders. And then in the next page, Superman's holding an unconscious Plastic Man. And we don't see what happened to cause Plastic Man to go unconscious. Um, So that was just a bit of, like, it it caught me off guard. I was like, did I miss something? Uh, But I'm assuming just the the big flash of light was meant to knock out Plastic Man. It was just not clearly communicated.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was like it would knock out anybody but Superman, right?
1: Yeah. But hey, Sam Lane's dead again. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I this book didn't do it for me, Um, and you know for a lot of reasons, not the least of which being that you 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 gave me a whole slew of terrific choices of who Leviathan could be, any of whom I would say oh that's pretty cool Steve Trevor's Leviathan fuck yeah you know, but you throw out Manhunter, it's a little bit like saying you know the guy who bags your groceries is Leviathan. I mean, I just I don't care about Manhunters.
1: Yeah, and you know, I never have. I'm hoping I mean, that I, the I, next I, issue will make me care. I do, yeah. But right now, I, if this is the case, I don't.
0: I have straight up been reading DC Comics since 1975, mm-hmm. and in all of that time, I don't think anybody has ever told me a Manhunter story that I thought was worth reading. You know, I, 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 I you pull the mask off everyone, of duh, it's the Manhunter. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I'm with you. So on I'm that. a little disappointed that, you know, that's where we are with Leviathan because I've enjoyed everything else about this series. And I, I like the way Bendis is writing the characters and, and I very much like how they talk to each other. Just don't care that who the who the bad guy winds up being. And if that's the big thing, you know, the big question we've been asking ourselves, who is this guy? And then you don't care who the guy is. I think that's a problem.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a big misstep. And hopefully Bendis doesn't go that way with it, because, you know, you've been asking this question for over a year now. Yeah, and if yeah. the reveal is, hey, it's no one you know or have cared about, yeah, unless it's, you it's read okay. a, unless you read that comic in 1984.
0: Yeah, it's the paper boy. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I just I really, I truly don't care.
1: So hopefully so that's I, not I, the way. You know, hopefully they'll they'll come around movie. on it.
0: But hey, let me talk to you about another book I was disappointed in this week.
1: Oh yeah, me too. Um,
0: the Super Son's Return and Superman issue number 16. And you know, Paul and I are both guys who really enjoyed. Uh, the original run of the Super Sons. Um, and so, you know, John's back from, you know, being aged up in his, you know, time abroad. And, you know, it's his opportunity to meet up with Damien and for Damien to learn that, uh, you know, John is now 17-ish and uh, is about to head off to the future. And boy, I hated the art in this book. And see, I, I hate...
1: I, I, I hated this art so much. <laughs> I did not mind the art, but the art felt like it belonged to a different book, right? It did not. It, it did. It felt like it belonged to one of those, um,
0: you know, Marvel ages, like an old age book. It felt, it felt like it belonged to one of those Wonder Comics books that, uh, that Bendis is doing. It felt like it, it belonged to the Wonder Twins book or perhaps Naomi. It did not feel like it belonged to this book. Yeah. Because there are so many elements. Uh, it's not a straight up manga approach to illustration but there are a number of elements that are very manga-esque
1: well like and... alterations to the costumes that yeah. are not like you know he, there there are alterations to superman costumes his boots for example yeah um he has like these armored boots and that's like well, hold on that's not superman's costume you know yeah. uh i i didn't mind i actually i i will say i liked the art i did not like the art as Superman issue 16, right? Um, Yeah. Because I actually like this style of art. It kind of reminds me a bit of Ed McGinnis, and I know you're not a fan of his either. Uh, You know, it's a more
0: cartoony style. I like the blocky type characters. Well... But and I think Wayne would tell you that it reminds him of Umber- Umberto Ramos because the feet yes. are overly large. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of stylization to this book that I think would have been wholly appropriate elsewhere. I'm not saying the guy can't draw, not even saying that it's not, you know, good art. What I'm saying is that it didn't work for the story, right? Uh, for and me, the artist
1: we're referring to is David Lafuente, by the way.
0: Yeah. And I just, for me, it didn't work for this story. And I, I boy, it bugged me, bugged me a lot. Yeah. Um, that said i think mean bendis does a really nice job voicing these characters however damien was a lot sweeter in this book than we typically see damien
1: D- damien was too sweet right um yeah. that, and, and the problem with damien is that grant morrison writes him well pete tomasi writes them well everyone mm-hmm. else either goes way too far overboard and makes him just a, com- a complete dick or makes him a little too kind. And what's funny is, you know, we, we talked about Event Leviathan. In Event Leviathan, Damian Wayne has the right voice. Right. In this book by the same writer, Damian Wayne's just a little bit more like he, he – it, it kind of goes with the art in that it, this almost feels like an all-ages book. This is an all-ages Damian Wayne. This isn't yes, the Damian it is. Wayne who's well, who was raised Dam- by uh, the League of Assassins.
0: I can see Damian Wayne complaining that John is older than him because that is that was something he lorded over John in yeah. earlier books. I do not see Damian Wayne lording the you know complaining that John hits puberty before he does or that John may have been, may have
1: may have been with a girl.
0: Yeah. You know? And I that because those aren't things that I think concern him. No. You know. And so it, it felt like it was played for a cheap laugh where these aren't Necessarily, comedy characters, or the comedy should come organically, not at the sacrifice of character. And that's what—that's one of the things that really bugged me about this book. The in terms of the artwork, one of the things that bugged me is the uh, the way the the artist and the colorist represented Damien's hair made it almost look like he had gray hair at the temples.
1: Yeah, instead Uh, of like the the shaved.
0: Correct. And I understood what they were going for. I just think it made it made him look like he had gray hair versus uh, having that shaved head.
1: So are, do you really just want to admit now that the only reason you didn't like this book is because Catman is crying in it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly why I didn't like this book. <laughs> but hey, it's got Catman in it. Well, you know, Catman usually makes all things better. Usually. Usually. But not, not even Catman could save this book. I, I will
1: say, you know, the the... The the goodbye that Superman has at the end of the book with um, with Jonathan is a bit lackluster, uh huh, um, for for as big of a deal as it should be, but you know, I, it, or it could just be that it's intentionally lackluster because he's going to hop back and forth. I don't know, but you know, it, yeah,
0: it didn't seem. I mean, it didn't seem nearly weighty enough when you know the last time. Uh, John went away, they lost so many years with him. Yeah. Right. Um, And I would just think that everyone involved would say, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. Because it could happen again. Right. Like, or he could just die off stage. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems silly that you, Lois and Clark are still in that emotional space that this is their little boy. And, you know, I completely come back to. What horrible parents they were that they let him go off to uh, off into space with a man that neither one of them knows, mm-hmm. uh, Jor El. You know who has you know. Maybe we get to know you a little bit more before we let you go off. You know and and play with our son. Yeah, you you know? I mean, I, Lois and Clark are spectacularly bad parents. Superman, shitty dad. Yeah. <laughs> so you
1: know, speaking of Jonathan Kent, he may go off. He may come back older. Something may go horribly awry. Um, have you heard about this 5G thing, the DC 5G?
0: Yes. Yeah, the fifth generation, as it were.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the first age is the heroic age. The second age is the space age. The third age is the age of crisis. Um, and there are timelines, but I think the generation one, uh, let's see that, you know, I, I'd have to look at it, but um, it's kind of the the first 25 years or so. Um, and, but the, the, basically, the, the crisis generation, generation three is from crisis to Flashpoint, generation four is Flashpoint to now, and 5G would be what happens next, the fifth generation. And we've already heard rumors about Luke Fox taking over for for, Bat, for you know, the role of Batman. Um, you know, the, 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 the current rumors is that the, the new Green Lantern would be the Teen Lantern from Young Justice. Wonder Woman would be changed as well, but they don't know who the character is. Jonathan Kent would be the new Superman. Um, So basically all of the lead characters would be changed to younger characters, uh, a little bit more of a diverse um, characterization, which already kind of happened in Marvel. You know, with the all new, all different when they they changed all their, you know, they changed out Thor, Captain America, Iron Man and all those characters um, at the same time. So it's basically the same premise. And I think DC is talking about doing that uh, at the end of 2020. Yeah. So we, we, we've we got whatever we've got this big thing that Scott Snyder is building up to this big crisis. Uh, and then uh, after that, I think, is what's what's going to be the the 5G thing.
0: Uh, You know, I I think we talked about this not too long ago, but I'm just kind of tired of of swapping out my characters. It feels like I never get to have Batman just be Batman. Yeah. You know, it's always Batman recovering from something or Batman about, you know, uh, about to disappear. And so, you know, here we've got, you know, Tom King's doing whatever he's doing with Batman and Catwoman. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, he's going to go out. He's going to go off the the table again. Um, I just got my Superman back just i mean just got him back yeah. into something recognizable and they're going to shuffle him off and i never really got to enjoy in any l- lengthy sort of storytelling the prepubescent superboy you know i was really enjoying those jonathan kent stories yeah. and i don't feel like they they i think there was a lot more milk in that cow uh I'm that not disagreeing before they needed to change that up. So I feel like there's this rush to make some changes that I just don't think are warranted. Um, I do feel like some of this is pushed by the fact that Bendis wants to change things. Yeah. You know, he, he, he wants the excitement of, I'd rather write Jonathan as Superman than Clark as Superman.
1: Or he wants to do his yeah. ultimate universe. I think that's why they brought, I yeah. think that's why they brought Bendis over, you know, th- th- let's re- let's ultimate universe, the, the DC, DC yeah. comics. But, you know, I, as much as I don't want it, as much as you know, we, we I, I want my Superman, I want my Jonathan Kent, I want the things that I that I'm enjoying in comics right now. Um, comics aren't doing well, right? You know, yeah. and from a from a sales standpoint, and and what does well or it, it it gets more and more ineffective the more they do it. But DC doesn't do it anywhere near as much as Marvel. But yeah. you know, if you have an appropriately advertised relaunch, that that does tend to bring people in.
0: Yeah, just doesn't make them stay.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's the problem.
0: Yeah, I'm just I, I'm frustrated in that there's a lot of books that I'm really enjoying. I'm loving Lois Lane.
1: Yeah, well, and Jimmy Olsen. You know,
0: yeah, Jimmy Olsen's great too. I mean, those are those are terrific books. I think they're doing some some really terrific things in the DC universe right now, and I'm I'm just I feel like we're we're not going to get to fully explore those storylines. Like you know, the storyline that happened that was being told. Before Bendis came over, I felt like still had you know grapes on the vine. You know, we we there were still stories to tell there, and we ran away from that. Just like when you know we abandoned a lot of story uh, when Flashpoint happened. Yeah, you know, and I'm just I was like, God damn it, finish your stories. Yeah, you know.
1: Well, at least uh, hopefully by then we'll get the conclusion of Doomsday Clock at least.
0: Maybe, but you know that's the danger of always being in second act. Yeah, you know, it's the danger of. You know, we never close anything out. It's just, okay, we're done with that. We're going over here now. Yep. You know, it's the danger of always being second act. Yep. So, Paul. Yes, sir. What comics are coming out next week that will disappoint you? <laughs> no, no comics will disappoint you next week. <laughs> um, Absolute
1: Carnage number four comes out next week. And that won't disappoint you because you're not reading it. That is correct. Um, but I am enjoying it. But also new issues of Jimmy Olsen. Uh, are coming out. Justice League is coming out, and I, I, you know, we, I'm enjoying both of those books. The newest issue of Once and Future from Kieran Gillen and oh, Boom Studios. Excited
0: for that issue number three. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as well as Spider Man, the new J.J. Abrams Spider Man book issue two comes out. Did you read issue one? I did not. Oh, okay. I think Wayne and I both did. I wonder if he's going to pick it up. Um, the conclusion of Superman Year One from Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. and the, the the main big release next week will be X-Men number one from Jonathan Hickman. Um you know and Lenille Francis Yu.
0: Very exciting. Well uh, we'll be back next week to talk about those books. But we'd love to hear what you thought about this week's books. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise.
1: You can also hit us up on social media. We are at IOMGeek on Instagram and Facebook. And we are at Ideology Madness on Twitter. And you can also hit us up on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Ideology of Madness. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir.
0: I'm going to go take another Tylenol with codeine. Ah, yes. (laughs) Me too, and I don't even have anything broken. (laughs) All right, man. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.